We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Let's open up to 1 Peter chapter 4. As yesterday, I was blessed to be able to share at a conference. It was called the, the Fiery Trials Conference. And uh, the conference consisted really of uh, kind of looking ahead and seeing what's coming in this country for Christians. Uh, because reality is what we see in the future. Uh, things are changing. Um, definitely fiery trials are ahead for us. And so I hope uh, it's okay with you guys. I hope you don't mind. I'd like to share with you the message that I was given because, you know, I, I believe that fiery trials are coming. Um, I think that with even greater intensity, and here's the thing, that we need to be ready for this. You know, for all of us here, um, things can happen exponentially. Things can happen frequently and, and with greater intensity and more rapidly for us here. I mean, what's going to happen five years down the road, ten years down the road? What will the future be for our children? What if the hurricane is coming and you're not ready? What's going to happen? You know, you will be swept away, my friend, because you thought that Christianity was a life obsolete of suffering. And yet it's not. We're going to see that intertwined within the life for the saints is suffering. And that comes in so many forms. And we have to be ready. You know, right now when I look at the suffering for Christians in the States, uh, it's more along the lines of verbal. Uh, I think of reproach and revilings, criticism, ostracism, anti-Christian legislation. And therefore, you know, for us, as we face all these things, you know, we need to make choices uh, all along the lines, you know. Am I okay with someone talking smack about me? Am I okay, you know, when this law says that and God says something different? Will I bow down to culture or Christ, to government or God? You see, we have to make those choices along the line. You know, we will experience the hurt, the harassment. My Christians will be fined and fired and persecuted and imprisoned more and more frequently. You see, this is the future. This is what we see in the states for our society. You know, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope that things take a turn and, you know, that we're going to avoid all this. But, you know, as a pastor, as a friend, as a Christian, I think it's better to be ready. And as we see the way that things are happening right now, I would have to confess that this is the road that we're on. We're on the road to suffering as Christians in the United States of America. You see? I mean, we're, we're going to learn in our study today that sometimes we suffer from doing what's right. And sometimes we suffer for doing what's wrong. Right? I mean, maybe you're suffering today. You've got to ask yourself, why am I suffering? Am I reaping what I've sown you know, am I reaping to the wind because I've sown to the, the whirlwind? You know, that type of stuff. Or am I, you know, suffering because I've been doing something right? I, I encourage you to really examine your life for things like that. You know, when I think of our country, let's just say our country started suffering big time. Big time. Is it because we did something right? Or is it because we did something wrong? What would you guys say? You know what? 
I think it's a little bit of both because there is a remnant. There are those people who love the Lord, right? But I think it's primarily because we have done what's wrong. Overall, we as a country have turned our backs on God, right? And, and the heartbreaking part about that when you think of our country and our nation is that, you know, we at one time were predominantly Christian, but it wasn't that long ago we moved from being you know, Christian to non-Christian in practice and then in profession. And before you know it, we went from Christian to non-Christian and then the future is anti-Christian. Are you ready for that? Are we ready for this? And will your children, for those of you who are younger here, you know, I'm a little older. I, I would say, you know, um, I don't know, it's hard to accept sometimes, but I, I think I am. And I look at you, uh, 30-somethings, 20-somethings, you young adults that are out there, and I'm thinking, man, you know, in 20 years, what's this world going to be like if you make a stand for Jesus Christ? You know, so the thing is, is uh, we need to be ready. I mean, in looking at trials, I know it's in God's hands, and, uh, and perhaps it's just something that we need. You ever think about that? You ever think about how the hard times, there's something that you need? You ever think about that? You're like, you know, I know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm praying in my garage and I'm just talking to God and I'm just saying, Lord, I just want like a pain-free life, you know? I want my kids to be like squeaky clean and I want my, you know, this to happen, you know, in the ministry. I want no drama, no pain, no trials, and, you know, yeah, I want a perfect life. How many of you guys want one of those? You're like, nothing happens wrong, right? You know, and, I, you know, make more money than you take in. Wouldn't that be a, a good dream for us, you know? But, but check it out. Look at chapter 1, if you would, of this letter. And, and look at verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 6. He says, if, if need be... You've been grieved by various trials. You ever think about that? You ever think about that? You need trials? I, I don't need trials, God. I'll just serve you, and if everything goes good, I, I'll just be fine. But you know what? That we need them sometimes as individuals and, and even sometimes as a nation, right? And so, you know, what we find in this text that I was allowed to share on yesterday is as a few things. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 14 through 16. Uh, number one is the rise of Christian suffering. Number two is the reason for Christian suffering. And then number three is the result of Christian suffering. Now, one last thing before we dive into the text you know, First Peter, this book, I, I don't know if you guys have read this book, but if you haven't, I encourage you to go home and read it. It takes about 15 minutes to read it. And then, you know, go ahead and get a cup of coffee and then read it again. Um, again, 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes or so. I'll tell you what, you read this book and you'll fall in love with it. It is an awesome letter. It speaks a lot about suffering, but it just speaks a lot about the whole Christian life and about how, you know, husbands are to act and wives are to be and, you know, as a boss and as a worker and just in, in life and holiness. You know, that classic passage there, you be holy, God says, because I'm holy. I mean, it's just a really 
all-around beautiful book. But the, the theme of it is, is suffering. It, it really is. And, and it was written right around AD 64 to 66. That was when Nero was persecuting the church. That's when it just started. If you go back in the, in the annals of history, the historian, he was also a Roman, uh, um, a Roman um, politician, Tacitus. He writes in his historical annals that what happened was Nero set fire to Rome. And so he burned the city of Rome. And then what he did was he blamed it on the Christians. Now, the Christians were already hated. They were hated for their Christianity. They were accused of being cannibals because they practiced communion. They were accused of uh, incest because they had what was called love feasts. The world didn't understand it. They were hated because they were followers of Christ already. So now that Nero burned the city, blamed it on the Christians, they were hated even more. And what Nero began to do is he began to persecute the Christians. And uh, you guys probably have heard the stories. What they would do is they would take the Christians, they would cover them with the hides of animals, and they would set the dogs on them to uh, devour them. Uh, they would crucify them. They would have sport with them, have fun with them, kill them. They would, even when the, dawn, uh, when the sun set, they would uh, cover them with tar, and they, Nero would literally put them in his gardens, and he would light them on fire to be the night lights. And so, you know, they're on the, the verge of experiencing all those things. The hurricane was coming, and the Lord put it on Peter's heart to make them ready. Because if you're not ready, what's going to happen? If you're not ready for the big one, you don't got any water at, at the house or food or, or maybe a couple of guns or whatever, you know. If you're not ready, and I don't know, you guys have seen some of these uh, disasters that have happened, right? I mean, man, yeah, it could be pretty crazy. For us, it's not just a physical thing, though. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle where the enemy, if you're not ready, he will sweep you away. And we got to be ready. I think that this book is a really good book to make us ready. And this text right here, what it does is it gives us insight into that whole concept as well. Let's look at this. And it's so funny, you guys. I'll tell you this, okay, up front. You know, we're only going to look at three verses. And you would figure I'd be able to cover it sufficiently. But I'm telling you ahead of time, I can't. Uh, three verses, I'll do the best that I can. But even as we read it, you're going to see it's deeper that's how deep the Bible is. But look here in verse 14 of 1 Peter 4. You know what? Let me start in verse 12. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. You know, he, he kind of says like, hey, you're going to go through hard times. He says, don't, don't think it's strange. You guys don't. You know, sometimes when we go through hard times, I, I've talked to people, they kind of get discouraged and they kind of even get upset with God. You know, I was told that when I signed up for Christianity, that everything happens according to my will. I, I heard it's all peace, love, joy, and, 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 you know, we think that when something bad happens, 
that it's not right. And yet here he says, don't think it's strange. It's part of living in a fallen world with fallen bodies, against fallen angels. And our Father will take those things that you're going through and he'll use them for good. You ever think about that? You ever think about the, the, the tragedy that you experience, the sufferings that you go through, the heartaches of life? You ever think that, that they are intended to make you a better person? And without those things, you would be a superficial Christian? You ever think about that? When you think, when those sufferings are allowed to come our way, and they come in so many forms, when you consider the fact that those sufferings are for our good, we welcome them. That's why James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the, the testing of your faith, and that's the fire, it, it produces endurance. It produces patience. He says, so don't think it's strange. He even says there, but rejoice. I mean, to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Why Why you suffer? Why does the devil come against you? Why? Why did the devil come against Job? Because Job was doing something right. And so the devil came against him. And the devil and his demons will come against us. We will suffer, right? And... Well, what we find is, is because we're Jesus' people. That's why. And so he says right there, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Jesus' sufferings, of Christ's sufferings, and, and, and that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And that's just talking about that day when we're with him. We will have no regrets. Because we did something right, the devil opposed us because we did something right, but we clung to our joy. We didn't let the enemy rob us of our purpose. And we're going to bring glory to God. It's going to be so cool. But, but here's what I wanted to focus on in, in verse 14 through 16. It says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. First thing we see is the rise of Christian suffering. What will we experience if we truly live a Christian life? What if what will we experience? I mean, I'll share something with you. Sometimes people, they, they don't want to get involved because, you know, I'm not saying that everyone has to get involved. I understand that you're serving in different places. But when you do get involved, when you do step up to serve, you make yourself a target because the devil doesn't want you to do that. And so what ends up happening is there's this rise of, of Christian suffering. What will we experience if we truly live Christian lives? The first thing he mentions there in verse 14 is reproach. Notice he says, if you are reproached. You know, most translations use the word insult. Uh, uh, that word right there is found only 10 times in the Bible. And uh, it's usually translated in the New King James to revile, which means to criticize, you know, angrily, insultingly, even abusively, it's almost like a verbal abuse that Christians will suffer when you're doing something right. 
When was the last time someone just, you know, started talking against you? Because you're a Christian. See, when you're really living the life, you're going to experience that. Jesus promised that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. He said, blessed are you when they revile, same Greek word, revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. He said the same thing in Luke 6.22. Blessed are you when men hate you. Does anybody hate you? When they hate you and when they exclude you and revile you. There's that same word. And cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. You see, the suffering, it begins with what people start to say. You know, and, and here's the thing. Nowadays, we live in that world. We live in a day, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, it says, where they call good evil and evil good. You're good, and the world says you're evil. That's the world that we live in, right? And so they revile us. We're the bad ones, why? Because we stand for purity. We're the bad ones because we stand for marriage for a lifetime. We're the bad ones because we're heterosexual. We don't believe that you know being homosexual or bisexual is right. No, we believe in traditional and biblical convictions, right? And we believe that not only for our family, but we would like for God to use that truth, not just in our family, but in our society. And so we are evil in their eyes. Jesus said that's going to happen. They're going to start saying that. And he not only you know, promised that we would experience it, of course we know he himself experienced it throughout his whole ministry, even when he was there dying on the cross, the thief that was next to him, the Bible says the two thieves reviled him to the very end. This is what we will experience. And so, you know, this is the, the rise of Christian suffering. It begins with reproach, but it's just the beginning. It eventually and inevitably leads to more suffering. Look again, if you would, at verse 15. But let none of you suffer. There's that word, suffer. In verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian. If you go back to, to, to verse 13, rejoice to the extent that you partake, partake of Christ's sufferings. Do you suffer? You know, and I'm not saying that we look for it necessarily or we long for it. But we got to be ready for it. And we're going to see later that when you're doing something right, this is a, a ring that you will wear. This is a ring that you will bear. You will, we will suffer. We will experience suffering. And I think for us, most of the time, when we see suffering, we run from it. And God is saying, no, I want you to run to it when it's my will. You know, the suffering, uh, the word right here, it speaks of, of pain. You know, um, it, it, it speaks of calamities, it speaks of tragedies, it speaks of afflictions. You know, when you think and you process throughout your mind, you know, the things that are bad in your life, all those things that are bad, and I can go from A to Z, I can go to someone who got sick or suffered or lost a loved one, I'm, I could tell you a lot of forms of suffering 
And, and you got to see that, that that's what we're talking about. You know, one of the things that's interesting is the Greek word is found 41 times in the New Testament, and yet 11 of those times, that's like 25%, is in this little letter right here, the book of 1 Peter. This is the book for today. This is the book for us to read and reread in order to be ready for suffering, in order to understand what is suffering, what what's the purpose of it. You know, and I just think of a lot of things. You know, I, I'm not really good at, you know, prophecy, modern-day events. But and I will tell you this, you guys, because uh, we see it, something escalating. Uh, guns, I think guns are okay. Guns aren't bad. People are bad, right? That's my opinion. You might have a different opinion. That's okay. Um, anyways, when you combine guns with increasing mental illness, and the, the spirit of the day, which is what? For us to be able to see how they are, what's happening. God is allowing that suffering to, to come our way. And you're going to see more and more of these shootings. You guys are going to see this, right? Where Christians are targeted, where Christians are singled out, where Christians will be suffering. And you're going to see these things happen and sometimes, I think, in churches. You know, and I think of other things. For example, I, I pray it isn't so. But in speaking about the rise of suffering, we might in one day also speak of the rise of Islam. The rise of Islam. Now you look around this country and you see more and more Muslims, right? And I, I, we, we love them. We love them. But here's the thing. There's 100 million Muslims Okay, 100 million. Okay, our country, we got about 320 million people. There's 100 million Muslims that are fundamentalists who believe in jihad, who believe that if they strap a bomb to their body and they go into a place and they detonate that bomb, that they're going to go to the seventh heaven. So, I don't know. You know, to me, it's kind of ironic after 9-11 what happened uh, is Islam just exploded in this country. You go over to Syria, you go over to Iraq, and you see what's happening with ISIS. And maybe you're here today and you think, well, that could never happen here. Really? I would never want to follow your leadership. I would never want you to ever be someone who's in political office. Because that's not the way we lead. Oh, that could never happen here. You have to think that's a possibility, maybe even a probability, and do everything you can to defend your country from that. Now, what's their agenda? Their agenda is, we will not stop until our flag is waving in the wind over the White House. You see, this is what I think we see in the future for our country. You know, they have their justification, it's religious, combined with their determination, what if? What if that arrives on our soil? You know, maybe you're here today and you're thinking that could never happen in a large scale in the United States of America. And I, I hope you're right. But the, the, the truth is, it might, right? And so it happens in, in different forms. I, I remember reading the Bible and the book of Habakkuk and there was a time where, uh, you know, Habakkuk was a prophet to the, uh, the, the southern kingdom of Judah. And they were God's people. You know, they were God's people. And, 
And the Lord had revealed to him that the Babylonians would conquer the southern kingdom of Judah. And Habakkuk was there and he's like, Lord, that's, that's weird. I don't get it. Why would you allow such an evil people to do this to your people? And, and I think, what if those things begin to happen in our country and we're not ready for it at all? And I, and I have the same mentality. I'm like, Lord, I don't get it. They're like, I mean, the other day, you guys probably heard on the news, thank God for our soldiers that went in and they kind of worked a little bit with the Iraqi soldiers, I think it was. And, and they rescued 70 uh, hostages that were about to be executed. Did any of you hear about that? That's what's going on. I told you guys last time, 200 Christians are dying every single month because of their faith. Why are you here? Why would anyone think that could never happen to us? And again, I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm not a sensationalistic person. All I'm saying is that if it's the Lord judging us because of our sin and our idols... You know, if it's just this time where we, like we read in chapter 1, verse 6, we need it, then we need to be ready. You see, we, we need to be ready. I mean, the rise of Christian suffering, it begins with, uh, oh, you guys are evil, you guys are bad. You know, we see it happening with Christian, you know, anti-Christian legislation. It's starting, It. You know, a little arrest here. Next thing you know, pastors, you better not teach on Romans chapter 1. And I mean, next thing you know, I mean, you can't, you know, in any way ever deny offering service to, you know, these people. I mean, it, it can happen. And so we see the, the rise of it. I think it's important to know the reason for it. Look again at verse 14. He says right there, if you are reproached for the name of Christ. If you are reproached for the name of Christ. That, that, that's how it starts. And it's important for us to know how it works. Um, most of you are well aware of the fact that the name of Christ is offensive to many you know, they hear his name in a certain way, and, and right away they get on the defensive, right? You guys probably know that. I mean, uh, in all honesty, you can mention God, uh, Buddha, Krishna, Allah, uh, the Dalai Lama. I mean, you won't have a problem, right? But you mention Jesus. Now you got a problem in their perception, right? I mean, that's not, he's not politically correct. Why? Why? Why can't we mention the name of Jesus? Well, the simple answer is because in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other, no other name, right? Given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. It's the name. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and the devil doesn't want people to go to heaven. And he'd much rather have people accompany him in hell. So he does everything he can to keep us from speaking that name. And if you do, then you'll pay for it. Peter knew that firsthand. Uh, if you guys remember early on in the book of Acts, when the authorities arrested him, they didn't know what to do with him and John because a miracle had been done through them and everyone knew it. 
And they thought to themselves, well, this is what we'll do. We can't change the past, but we can impact the future. And what we'll do, it says in Acts 4, 17 and 18, but so that it spreads no further. And that's what the devil wants. So that it spreads no further, right, among the people. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in the name of Jesus. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. See, and I know it sounds, it sounds kind of weird, but that's what the devil would like to do. That's what he would like to do. First, I don't want to talk about sin. I want to talk about homosexuality, same-sex marriage. Don't even touch that. Don't talk, don't talk about that. But eventually, it leads to, I don't want you to speak the name of Jesus. You know, thankfully, Peter and the apostles, they didn't yield to them. They knew very well that the commands of God... They trump the commands of government. And remember this, you guys. Whenever culture and Christ conflict, choose Christ. Whenever you have to make a choice whether or not it's uh, politically correct or you know, correct in your creator's eyes, choose your creator. Whenever you have to make the choice of whether or not to be uh, obedient to God and you're like, well, uh, I don't want to offend anybody, you know, sometimes you have to offend them to save them. You know, we talk about this all the time here. We don't want you to go to hell. We don't want you to miss out on the joy of life in heaven forever. There's a battle for your soul. There really is. You know, I was thinking about this today. And, you know, um, what if, you know, what if uh, some gal came and, I, and I, I said, hey, she's pretty. Next thing you know, I went with her and... You know, just crazy things. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you how fragile we are. I've seen guys leave their wives, leave the ministries, leave the Lord over some chick. And I was thinking, and I know it sounds weird, but you know, like you're in a boxing match, right? Okay. And you're in a box and you're, you know, you got your guard up because you know, as a boxer, all it takes is one good one to knock you out. Thank God we have the Lord as our defense. Thank God we have Him and we can put on the full armor of God. But there is a battle for your soul. And so as we look at this and we see the, the suffering rising, we realize the reason is because, man, you know, we speak the name of Jesus. If you go back to John 15, uh, real quick. Jesus had taught them. He'd warned them about this very thing. Why? Why did he warn them? So that when the day came, they would not fear and they would not fail. Right? And so he says there in John fifteen eighteen, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. You know, those are the, that's the promise of the Lord to his disciples. I think it's something that we also can apply 
to our lives. You know, we bear his name and we will suffer reproach, revilings and suffering if we preach his name. If you don't, you won't. You know, I, I told you guys uh, before that as a chaplain, I get to go and offer invocations for the, 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 the meetings they have, uh, the city hall meetings, city council meetings. And I've actually done quite a few of them. And again, every time they tell me, don't preach and don't pray in Jesus' name. They always tell me that. And I always do. I always do. I just, I just, I mean, you're going to tell me one name I can't pray in is Jesus' name? I know where that's coming from. That's a devil. I won't bow down to the devil. And so other chaplains, they say, I'm not going to be a part of it because the rule is you can't pray in Jesus' name. I'm like, hey, I'll be a part of it. I'm just praying in Jesus' name anyways. If they want to take me out, let them take me out. If they want to arrest me, that's fine. I mean, I not only preach in Jesus' name, uh, pray in Jesus' name. I preach in Jesus' name when I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, save these guys. Uh, this is kind of cool, the last one I did on Tuesday. And, and again, just thanking God for the opportunities. I just prayed, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, you know, you just have that opportunity they, they want you to commit the sin of silence. They want you to have an approach that is non-offensive, but that is non-productive. I'm telling you this, you guys, you got to preach Jesus' name. It doesn't matter if it gets you fired. It doesn't matter if it offends. It doesn't matter if the government says no. I would much rather go to jail than go to hell. Right here he says, if you suffer reproach um, for, for Jesus' name, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, and then if you go down to verse 16, he says, and yet if anyone suffers as a Christian. I mean, just because you're a Christian. You know, I mean, you're going to be hated, reproached, reviled, and somehow suffer just because you are a Christian. Augustine said, God had one son on earth without sin, but he never had one without suffering. Remember that. You know, we suffer for his name, and we suffer simply because we're Christians. Now that, the word Christian is only found three times in the Bible. The first time is when they were first called Christians, in the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 26. And that was such a healthy church, and... Uh, there was a launching pad for missionaries that would go out, and so they were first called Christians. Um, later, it, in Acts chapter 26, 28, when King Agrippa was talking to Paul, Paul was witnessing to him, and Agrippa said, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. And then here, at first it was a derogatory statement, but eventually it became a term of endearment, that we're Christians, that we bear his name, that we're Christ-like. And it's a beautiful thing. And the enemy hates you because you're a Christian. You will suffer for his name and you will suffer as a Christian. If we're real, and remember, Christian is like Christ-like. If we're, we're willing to preach his name and if we're willing to live his life, I promise you, you will be a target of Satan 
for suffering somehow. See, and that's what we see. You know, if we're real and obedient Christians, if we love Christ, then we're going to experience opposition. And, and Peter says, you know, here's the rise of suffering, reproach, and, and suffering itself, and here's the reason for it, the name of Christ, and just because you're Christians. But let me, let me also share something else. Because suffering is a, is a real big topic in the Scriptures. When you suffer, suffer for the right reason. Don't suffer for the wrong reason. Because you know what we would call that? Needless sufferings. Because look what he says there in verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, and an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. You know, a lot of times Christians believe that all suffering is a badge of honor, right? It's all, you know, because I'm Job. It's all because they're doing something right. But Peter goes on to say, no, not all suffering is because you're doing something right. Sometimes you're suffering because you're doing something wrong. So stop doing something wrong. Don't suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer. You see that word throughout this letter right here. And that's kind of like a criminal. And, you know, I, I know when I, when I think of those, I'm like, Lord, those are, are pretty crazy, you know, things. A murderer, a thief, an evildoer. Uh, and, of course, it's something that we can all uh, get caught up in somehow. Um, even Jesus said that hating someone is murder. Did you guys know that? And, and, and stealing something? You're like, well, I don't go in and rob, you know, banks or anything. Yeah, but maybe you steal and not you know, claiming everything on your taxes or maybe you even robbed from God. I mean, there's different ways of, of stealing. Don't suffer as a murderer. Don't stop, suffer as a thief or an evildoer or a criminal. But you know, the, the thing that kind of uh, uh, blew me away when I was thinking about this is sometimes uh, my heart goes out to these guys that they get caught in these crimes and then we get the letters or we get the phone calls. And sometimes they think that they're in prison and suffering, you know, like as Job, and I'm like, wow, bro, I love you, you know, and, and, I, and I'm praying for you, my heart goes out to you, but you're in there because you did something wrong. So don't suffer for those reasons. You know, another thing that's real interesting, he's, he mentions a busybody right here. And I'm like, Lord, that doesn't belong on the list. Murder, thief, criminal with a rap sheet, and a metiche? <laughs> I mean, how does that... How does that belong in the list, right? I mean, I mean this is, seriously, the Greek word right here, it talks about a meddler. And you guys know what a methiche is, right? It's one of those people, they want to get in people's lives and, and they're nosy, right? Like a Mrs. Kravitz, for those of you who remember that, that you know, that program Bewitched. And, you know, and, and so you can actually suffer as a murderer or a methiche. And so when I was thinking, I'm like, Lord, do these belong on the same list? And I, I'm not 100% sure most... Teachers believe they do, and the reason is for this. Because when you read First Peter, he's talking about all your conduct. He's just talking about your holiness and wives and husbands. And, you know, he gives a list of all this different, you know, way of living your life. Not just the big things, but the small things. And then that's the bottom line is sin, when it's planted, it always brings forth suffering. And so don't suffer for doing what's wrong. If you're going to suffer, he says, suffer 
for doing what's right. We see the, the rise of Christian suffering, the reason for Christian suffering. But here's the thing that I hope encourages you, and that is the result of Christian suffering. Look again at verse 14. He says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Again, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. If you go down to verse 16, he says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this matter. You know, if you suffer for doing the right thing, you will be blessed. When I read that, I'm like, Lord, you know, I've never really wanted to suffer before, but now I do. Now I do. I want to do the right things. I want to preach your name, and I want to live your life so that I can suffer for you. I want to make a difference so much so that not only you would notice, but so that the devil would notice. Because I know, Lord, if I suffer for doing what's right, I'm going to be blessed. Now, they're going to do their thing, and they're going to come against me, and on their part, he is blasphemed. But on our part, what ends up happening? He is glorified. You know, to suffer for the Lord is beautiful. You know, he says that the spirit of glory and the spirit of, of God, it rests upon you. I mean, do you realize how intimate that is? How, how amazing that is? I mean, I think of Pastor Saeed Abedini, who's in prison, incarcerated in Iran, and I think of others around the world who are suffering for Christ. And, you know, we look at them and we feel so sorry for them. But do you understand the fellowship that they are having with God in those sufferings? It is an honor to suffer for the Lord. You know, I mean, the spirit of glory. We don't see that very often in the Bible. The spirit of glory what is that? And Warren Wiersbe, he's a, a really good teacher, and he says that what it is, is the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God. You know, when the tabernacle was constructed, that Shekinah glory fell. Uh, when the tabernacle was completed, that Shekinah glory fell. You know, when Stephen was stoned, the Shekinah glory fell. When you do what's right and you're not ashamed of his name and you live the life, you will suffer, but you will be blessed. And the Holy Spirit will fall upon you like never before. And one day when we stand before God, he will be glorified. You know, it's kind of cool how it works. We even see later... And when you put some scriptures together, um, what I believe happens is that when we suffer 
and we're going through that suffering and, and we're not whining, we're not complaining, we're not crybabies or why babies. I mean, we're just like, God's on the throne and I trust Him. And people see that. You want to know what they're going to do? It says earlier in this passage, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, when they observe you going through your sufferings without complaining, on that day, God will be glorified. I think it means they're going to get saved. They're going to get saved when they see you suffer with faith and joy, just like the thief on the cross got saved. When he saw Jesus suffer with the love that he had. That's what happens. Don't be discouraged. Don't be a crybaby. Don't be a white baby. Okay? You trust the Lord. And one day when you stand before him, man, I tell you what, God's going to be glorified. Because what happens, and, and the reason why I want to tell you this, is that what happens a lot of times is people, when they go through the suffering and the, and the stuff, they, they go away from God. They recoil. They're like, man, I thought I signed up for something where it was all hunky-dory. And the Lord says, no, it's not. It's a battle. It's a, it's a, it's a season of life where you're going to be suffering and and so you're ready for it. And rather than recoiling and being discouraged and being bummed out and being depressed and distancing yourself from God, you run to God and you get stronger in those times. And he says right there, and don't be ashamed. And so you're there. And I think that what Peter is saying right there is a couple of things. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. You know, when, when Peter was, remember when the 14-year-old the little girl, she questioned to him and she said, hey, weren't you with Jesus? Hey, you're, you're, you know, you got the New York accent or whatever. You got the Galilean accent. I know you're one of them. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? You know, I don't know the man. And he started, you know, cursing, swearing. And I don't know if that was foul language or just kind of taking oaths, you know. But, I mean, he just, he was afraid. He was ashamed. But the Lord restored him, right? And later on, man, Peter came around. The Holy Spirit got a hold of him, changed his life. So much so to the extent that when, when, Peter, when Peter finally had served the Lord, you know, 30 years, and it was right around the same time, probably about two years after this letter was written, he was facing execution as well. But he faced it with courage. And he faced it with godliness. And he faced it with nobility. So much so that when they were about to crucify Peter, Peter didn't have a problem with it. He didn't have a problem with it. Go ahead and nail me to a cross for my Christ. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I don't have a problem with you crucifying me. The only thing I have a problem with is I'm not worthy to be crucified like my, my Jesus was. And so he said, can you crucify me upside down? And you guys know, huh? History tells us. It's etched in history. I was researching. I'm like, this is true? Well, this is true. Homeboy was crucified upside down. And he wasn't ashamed. And what does that do? I'll tell you what, when I read that, it inspires me. And it glorifies God. So 
I pray that we would not just face suffering, but embrace it. And, and probably one of the most important things to embrace about it is just to know that Jesus suffered for you. You know, you wonder, like, does God love me? I don't know if he loves me because, man, look at the things I'm going through. Oh, he loves you. Because he died for you. Never forget that. I hope all of you here are Christians. If not, I pray that today would be the day that you give God your heart. Repent of religion. Religion will not get you into heaven. Repent of your own righteousness because the Bible says that your goodness is like a filthy woman's menstrual garment. You got to trust in Jesus. How do you get in? It's Jesus. Oh Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done. and I thank you for the gift of salvation, Lord, that when we receive that gift, it's, it's amazing how free it is. You did all the hard work when you bled and you shed your blood on Calvary. And then they put you in the, in the grave and then you rose again to prove who you are, our Savior. I thank you for that, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that everyone here uh, will have bowed their knees, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I just pray that everyone here would know you love them. And, and even like we, we studied today, that element of understanding that suffering, it, it often shows that we're on the right track. And so help my brothers and sisters not to be discouraged. Lord, we rejoice. And we thank you. We love you. We pray, Lord, that you make us strong. As we come to church, it's kind of like a huddle. You know, I could picture a football team gathering together and, and hearing the play, but then they go out into the highways and byways and workplaces and schools and in the uh, malls of life. And they shine for your glory. I pray that everyone here would stand out as they stand up for Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live holy lives. I pray, Lord, lives that would honor you in everything we think and, and say and every decision we make and all that we do and all that we are. And I, I would even ask that today, Lord, because I know, Lord, you're not poor. You're not poor. You're You're God. You sit on the throne. You oversee the whole universe. And I just pray, Lord, today that you would let your Holy Spirit fall on us. And even like we read today, rest on us. Thank you, Lord, so much for loving us the way that you do. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.